Today on the newscast, it's been called Israel's Forgotten War, but does it hold lessons for the threats Israel is facing today? Find out next. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman newscast from the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. If you have never been here, I highly recommend it. This is an incredible place. It brings the Bible to life right here in the heart of Washington, D.C. Imagine that. We are here with our TBN crew working on two upcoming one-hour specials. Now, the first is on the rise of China. Talk about a relevant, timely issue right now. The second is on the rise of Christian persecution around the world. You will not want to miss these coming up on TBN. The China special airs on September 13th. The Christian persecution special is also coming. We will get you the date as soon as we have it. We're here at the museum again, and we will be interviewing, among others, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So you will not want to miss these two one-hour TBN specials. Again, right here from Washington, D.C. at the Museum of the Bible. Okay, the issue at hand today, Israel's Forgotten War. It's been known as the War of Attrition between 1968 and 1970. Essentially, right between the Six-Day War of 1967, the Yom Kippur War of 1973, which everyone knows about and talks about frequently, we had a pretty bloody conflict. The main two forces fighting were Israel and Egypt, pitting them against each other along the Suez Canal, Jordan, Syria also involved to a degree, but Israel facing off against Egypt and the Soviet Union was involved. Egypt at the time was a Soviet client state. And does this have echoes, folks, of what we are seeing today with Russia involved in Syria? I think there are some very important parallels today between the war of attrition and what Israel is calling today the war between the wars, where we have Israel facing off against Iran and Hezbollah and those various Iranian proxies in Syria and Lebanon to the north, and of course Hamas in Gaza. War of attrition, war between the wars. Uh, one of the currents running through both is Russian involvement. Russia was in Egypt, and now Russia is in Syria for the current war between the wars. It's a fascinating story. By the way, hey, the war of attrition, it may be a forgotten war, but Israelis don't forget. Uh, according to various estimates, between 1,200 and over 1,400 Israelis lost their lives between 1968 and 1970 in this war of attrition. I can't think of a better person to talk about it with than our good friend Elliot Chodoff, reserve major for the Israel Defense Forces, historian, strategic analyst, national security expert. We caught up with him recently from his home in Israel to get the inside story about Israel's forgotten war and why it matters today. Take a look. Elliot Chodoff, thanks so much for joining us from your home in Israel as always. Hey, you are a historian, and we have a fascinating historical topic today that has real modern implications, I believe. Yes. It's been called Israel's Forgotten War, the War of Attrition between 1967 and 1970. Depending on who you talk to, some 1,200 Israelis lost yes. their lives in this war of attrition Elliot, give us a little bit of breakdown. What went down there as Israel went toe-to-toe with Egypt and even the Soviet Union was involved? Well, it was a forgotten war for, I would say, three reasons. And, and understanding the reasons will help us get into the, you know, the idea of what happened. The war was fought along the Suez Canal, which 
in terms of distance, is about 135 miles from Israel's Negev, meaning it was a great distance. Now, not in American terms, but in Israeli terms, 150 miles from Israel's population, population centers is the other side of the world, especially in 1967. Let's remember we're talking about a period before cell phones, before handheld cameras, uh, out of sight literally was out of mind. A second aspect of it was that it was a, it was a war of attrition, meaning there was no maneuver. There were, there were no great victories uh, or for that matter, great defeats. Israel pulled off a few commando raids that were rather spectacular. But all in all, over a essentially a three-year period, it was a slugging match between Egyptian artillery on their side and primarily the Israeli Air Force on our side. And the backdrop to it is fascinating, Elliot. Look, this was in the wake of the resounding victory uh, by Israel in the 1967 Six-Day right. War. You would think perhaps after such a resounding defeat, that Egypt and Jordan and Syria would be humbled to an extent, but that didn't happen. Uh, the Egyptian leader Nasser was right back at it, and he declared this war of attrition. Officially, he coined that term, I believe, in 1969, but they were right back at it, attacking right Israel back. shortly thereafter. Well, that, that just shows that the two different perspectives between Israel and Egypt on what we call the Six-Day War. The Israeli perspective was the war was over in six days. We won. And, and a great deal of Israeli policy flowed out of that, including the offer of what we call today land for peace. I don't know how many people are aware that within a couple of weeks of the end of the war in 67, Israel offered to return everything, with the exception of the old city of Jerusalem, in That's return right. for peace. Because Israel basically said, we didn't go to war for territory. We went to war for survival. We won. We survived. And take it back and, and you know, let's call it quits. And of course, a couple of months later, the Arab response was the classic, the three no's of Khartoum, no peace, no recognition, no negotiations. But Nasser had a much more interesting, uh, profound response to the Six-Day War. He said, there was no Six-Day War. Six-Day War implies that it's over in six days. He said, I don't agree, it's not over. And you know, there's a, an interesting um, rule in conflict that comes out of conflict sociology, to paraphrase, uh, wars end when the loser quits. And if the loser doesn't quit, the war isn't over. So his army disintegrated, his air force was shot to pieces, but his country was totally intact. And he turned around and said, what six day war? We just, that was, that was just around, you know, we got bloodied, but the war goes on. And before the end of the year, they had sunk the destroyer a lot and begun bombardment of, his, of Israeli outposts along the canal. The war of attrition had, had quite an impact on, not only on, on Israel during it, and as you said, uh, estimates as high as 1,200 killed, but also on Israeli thinking going forward, on overlaid on the Six-Day War of, all we need to do is put a few guys up there in some outposts and we can hold, we can hold off everybody and everything uh, under all circumstances. Yeah, you know, Israel has a peace treaty with Egypt, obviously now, Elliot. Uh, but we are in a situation right now that's been called the war between the wars yes. uh, to the north in particular, where Israel is carrying out airstrikes against Iran and Hezbollah in Syria, as the anticipation is that one day there will be a larger conflict uh, to the north. Do you see any similarities with what's going on there today to the north and what happened in the war of attrition 
uh, over 50 years ago. There are some loose similarities in the sense that it shows that Israel doesn't live in the uh, American dichotomy of war and peace. We live in a routine and emergency kind of alternative. And the war of attrition was considered routine, even though a lot of guys got killed. Uh, it was routine in the sense that, that the country's existence and its integrity were not threatened by that war. It was, as I said, fought a long way away and with no re real maneuvering. And by the same token, this war between wars that we're fighting now um, is important, but it's not felt on a daily basis. Now, I, I hear the planes going overhead uh, late at night on their way to hit targets. I live in the north and I'm on, on, on the flight route from the air bases to Syria. I think many people who hear them have no idea what they're hearing. Some do, some of us have, have that experience. Uh, we know the difference between the, the planes going out and how the engines sound when they're loaded and how they sound when they're empty coming back. Uh, but that's pretty much the extent that the average alert person has, that there's something going on on that much of a regular basis. Another aspect I found striking in terms of a modern parallel, the Soviet Union. The Russian-led, obviously, Soviet Union was heavily involved in that war of attrition with boots on the ground. And even Cuba, a Soviet satellite, also had boots on the ground in Egypt during this war of attrition, uh, even faced off some dogfights with Israeli fighter jets and Soviet yes. fighter jets. Uh, again, a forgotten chapter in history, largely. That's right. And once they, again, we see Russia in Syria today and once again aligned with Israel's enemies like Iran and Hezbollah. Any, what can you tell us about that? I, I think that for the Russians, and I'm going to throw the Soviets in now because I think that it's you know, pre-Soviet, Soviet, and post-Soviet Russia is all Russia. Uh, different ideologies, but we're talking about an, an imperial scale power uh, with aspirations. Russia used the Arab-Israeli conflict, I'm talking about Soviet Russia, used the Arab-Israeli conflict one, as a means to try to outmaneuver out the United States during the Cold War, and two, as a testing ground for weapons, which, of course, America does as well uh, and comes out basically ahead on, uh, on the trade-off. But new Russian equipment was given to Egypt. Russian advisors were sent, and they were advisors not just um, as instructors, but also to observe and uh, assess how effective the equipment was against the American supplied equipment to Israel. In those days, as today, primarily anti-aircraft and anti-tank weapons. The result is that today, in our engagements against that, that kind of equipment, we, with American equipment and Israeli add-ons, like the Trophy anti-tank system, and all sorts of stuff that we load onto aircraft that doesn't doesn't come out of the you know, manufacturer's <laughs> uh, line are incredibly superbly effective against what the russians are supplying the syrians and the iranians and just to to give one example and the stuff that i i can't go into in detail but one very good example is that for the past few years we've been striking I'm not going to say on a daily basis, but at least a few times a week against targets in Syria. Every now and then you'll see a report that the Syrians announce 
that their anti-aircraft missiles chased away the Israeli fighters or the Israeli planes. Uh, here's a hint. When your anti-aircraft missiles chase away your enemy planes, that means you missed. Speaking of that, Elliot, Russia apparently saying or reportedly losing patience with Israeli strikes yes. in Syria and saying they're going to bolster uh, Syrian defenses. What are your thoughts on that? Look, it'll make it more difficult. But if the recent history is any indicator, uh, we're going to do all sorts of nasty things to their new stuff, just like we did to their old stuff. By the way, that old stuff, and speaking about the war of attrition, uh, Israeli fighter jets and Soviet fighter jets, dogfights. Yes. Israel was victorious in some of those encounters. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, yeah, the Israeli Air Force really came into its own in the Six-Day War. Not that it was bad before then, but it went up to a whole different level. And then in 1969, when America started supplying Israel with the, the F-4 Phantom, uh, the Israeli Air Force leaped forward in its capabilities. And with that leap, the Soviets tried to step in and uh, sort of blunt our, our advantages. And they learned to their chagrin that that was not a really good idea. Wow. Hey, Elliot, it is a fascinating chapter in history. It, it's been called the Forgotten War. Hopefully we filled in some of the blanks today. Hopefully, yes. Elliot Chodov, as always, my friend, reserve major in the Israel Defense Forces and historian and expert on all things security, Israel, history. Always a pleasure to have you, my friend. We'll see you again soon. Thanks again. Always a pleasure. Take care, Eric. Thanks, as always, to our good friend, Elliot Chodoff. Now, his website is currently under construction, but you can check him out on Facebook, Chodoff Lectures. You see the information there on your screen. Be sure to check Elliot out. Again, an Israel Defense Forces Reserve Major and one of our favorite experts and analysts when it comes to all things Middle East and security. Hey, another quick programming note before we go. Tomorrow, I believe that's Wednesday, August 11th, we're coming to you here on our YouTube channel with a live stream. That's right, the Watchman Newscast live between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be talking everything going on in the Middle East right now in Israel, how it affects you no matter where you live. Plus, we will be taking your questions. We always close uh, our live streams with a Q&A session. Bring your questions, bring some good ones. We have a lot of fun here on the live streams and you get to know me a little bit better and get to hear a little bit about my testimony and my walk with the Lord as well. Some personal stories on our live stream. So again, tomorrow, that's August 11th, Wednesday, between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. Join us here on the Watchman News Channel on YouTube. And while you're at it, be sure to subscribe. Hey, until tomorrow, from the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., thanks for joining us. God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace.